This is the part where we normally play the theme song, but why should we even play theme songs? They don't do that anymore. <laughs> yes. Well, no, but we got a lovely blank, not blank slate, slate filled with words that might have had in jokes in them i intend to pause it and examine later i figured that they, they, they might very very much do that but it was sort of matrix like a little bit with a grid of kind of things and, and then sparkling like you know cross pattern is doctor who <laughs> oh it's like so two decades ago <laughs> i was um I did have that moment when I saw that that I thought, okay, this is what we're doing then. This is it's going to be found footage. We're never gonna we're never gonna cut to reality. We're not gonna see the credits until the end. It's just going to be the the footage um, the whole way through. Which I, I I think I heard somebody mention that that was going to be the case, but I hadn't. I've been trying this season not to pay very much close attention to it. Yeah, no, I've been doing very well with avoiding spoilers. I didn't even know what this episode was called until. I read your email and then I got annoyed because like, oh no, now I know the name of the episode. Mm. You've ruined it for me. I've ruined it. Yeah, <laughs> it they saved away. it till the end. Or the writer. We, we, you wouldn't know the writer either. I knew yeah, writer. no, that was kind of a thing that would have been quite positive for me because, you know, Mark Gatiss is not... Not your favourite. Really, not my favourite Doctor Who writer. So... Rather than saving the credits to the end, I should say that, that to the listeners, this is uh, Liz Miles. Uh, you may have heard her on the Verity podcast. I have taken this season, in addition to many two-part episodes of Doctor Who, another theme of this season is that I lie in wait for uh, certain members of the Ver- Verity panel to not be on an episode of Verity, and then I steal them away. That's my plan. Yes, that's brilliant. My strategy. I like your plan. I like, well, no, I was going to say I like your timing, but it, it's the same time as we do Verity. Yeah. <laughs> so... No, you don't. You don't get my list of podcast people who let me podcast in the afternoon. And and two of my uh, guests this year have also been from uh, Scotland, which is exciting. <gasps> That's brilliant. I know. Well done. I know. Well, well done. Uh, we can't do the normal incomparable with people from your part of the world usually because we're usually very very late at night when we do all of those things. But Doctor Who, I can talk about in the daytime. Daytime here is that, is, is that allowed in America? But when night falls, then no more Doctor Who. <laughs> or is that when you're allowed to talk about things? I have to say my son um, my son declared the other day that he thinks that um, – and we just changed not only with the seasons but with the time change. Um, uh, he said, I don't think I want to watch Doctor Who during the dark anymore. I think, I, And he's 11. He's like, I think oh I would really goodness. rather watch this in the daylight. <laughs> that's, that's, that is shocking. Mm. Uh, by 11 years old – well, no, half that age, I was watching Revelation of the Daleks. This is the one with those melting faces mm-hmm. in it. Um on, you know, my parents were, oh, it's Doctor Who, it's fine. It won't scare you or give you nightmares. Yeah, he, hides, he hides under the blanket, too, sometimes, when there's scary Like things. a monster. Mm-hmm. That's a Doctor Who monster now. Yeah, I know. I, I, I don't tell him that. <laughs> that would be even worse. <laughs> now you're the monster and listen. <laughs> oh. Uh, so I, with this found footage thing, I, I actually was thinking throughout... Uh, I know there's this a trend, found footage horror movies are a thing that since the Blair Witch Project, there are often, it's just a subgenre of horror. And mm. I think they're, they're obviously playing at that, that here. Although I did, I think, I think it, cl- it was clever. It was more clever than I was going to give it credit for. Because I was asking myself what I always do in these situations, which is how likely is it that there would be footage of all these things from all of these angles? And I thought it was clever in that it 
played that game and then halfway through or three quarters of the way through, um, there was the moment that was set up. There was a moment where it's like, we don't have helmet cams. And then it, sit, it sat there for about five minutes. And then the doctor sort of figured out that this was, it, it was, it was cheating. And that it wasn't just from cameras. It was from, I guess, dust particles floating in the air. Yeah. The dust can see. Mm. Um, okay. <laughs> that was, that was very straight. Well, no, I should, I shouldn't be too judgy on it because, you know, half-assed science is something that I very much enjoy about Doctor <laughs> Who quite a lot. Um, I think I think that was certainly, I did, uh, that that wasn't the reveal with that thing that I really enjoyed. I really liked at the end the whole that thing that the bad guy was like, yeah, yeah, we, I put all this together for your enjoyment so I could kill you with it. I hope you, I hope you liked it. And I'm just going to fade away in a really scary way. Yeah, that and I told you you shouldn't the... watch it. The first thing he says <laughs> at the beginning of the episode, you shouldn't watch this. That's the payoff that mm. for me that really worked. That I just thought that's hilarious. I mean, that is a total cop out, but it's also yeah. hilarious. There are a lot of cop outs, and there are a lot. There's a lot of weird science in this episode, and I think we'll get to it all. But um, the one other thing I wanted to say about the footage thing, because yeah, it is. Oh right, sorry. I guess the dust is on them, and it's it's some very good camera angles, and I'm not quite sure why the dust that looks like it's a CCTV camera is in black and white. That was just a trick. Um, I think I think the dude's maybe got filters as he's messing up because he's like, I wanted to make it entertaining for you. Mm. He's totally oh, that's just it. putting all the the thingy filters. That's what I did when I first found out you could do that to camera things. So he's probably having, you know, making his little fan vid, Doctor Who fan vid. So with, Dust like, Dust Rasmussen, who is not actually he's just a dust zombie or something, uh, has a flair for video. Is what yeah. we're well, or he's discovered it just before he dies. He's like, hmm. oh, there's like, filters. My new art. What's in this tab? What do you mean? There's a black and white filter. <laughs> I could yeah, do that on I... all the CCTV dust. I could do that. <laughs> I think as fine footage go, because it's not, it's not a genre of horror film that. Well, I'm going to say it's not a genre of horror film, but joy. But that's not entirely true because if it's really good, then yes, I'll enjoy it. I think I remember one of the um, one of Romero's zombie movies was fine footage. Oh. And I really like that. But mostly that's because I like all Romero's, even the bad ones. Still great to me. Um, I like Cloverfield. I think that's the one that I would say that I liked. Yeah. I really don't like Cloverfield. It's not flawless. Well, I I have a whole, I have a whole, I should write an essay sometime about how I thought, I thought that it was sort of the most fitting post 9-11 movie that I, that I saw because it was... Now we know what happens. Terrible things happen to cities. Um, and now if you put Godzilla in a city post 9-11, you would really need to show that kind yeah. of thing. Uh, the people in it are insufferable, though. So I like. I think <laughs> I, I like think the idea of Cloverfield. that's a lovely idea. And I think that sounds like a good idea. The problem with <laughs> it's, Cloverfield yeah. is that it's insufferably boring. Yeah. And I hate every moment of it. But a building then... leans on another building at one point, which totally <laughs> couldn't happen. But... Uh, there it is. Oh, no, I was I was fine with that. It was just when it got to the end, and I, I I felt like I felt like I'd been I'd been cheated. Like the happening, it was a similar feeling. Mm. That kind of I can't believe you stole those hours from me. I was so bored, and I didn't even get a big giant monster, <laughs> which I was sort of promised. Right, which I felt a little cheated out of it. I didn't I didn't feel cheated in that way here, and I really thought the director did a smashing job of making it look interesting and doing fun angles. And the corridors mm-hmm. looked really neat. I do like a good corridor. I loved how this episode looked. And I think, mm. yeah, in, in some ways, as you go, it, it's cheating with you because we're told that it's found footage. And again, because we're 
you can just sort of say, well, they, they say that, but we know that this is filmed entertainment for our amusement. Um, I, I still... In the end, it's more more POV with the occasional camera in the corner. It's really we're seeing this through the eyes of the characters, which, you know, it is um, it's good and and um, it's dark and scary and on a space base. And I really like um, the Impossible Planet and the Satan Pit. A yes, little less than the impossible. But I like I like I like how dark and, and, and spooky and you know space is dark and scary and there's things that'll kill you in it. I, I really like that. And I, I got a lot of that sense here. Uh maybe not the found footage aspect. I don't think that's the reason why I felt that way. I think it was the way the you know, the way it was lit and, and, and mm. the sets and all of that and the way it was directed, I think that was good. I think there's only one moment where I felt like the found footage was like that's why you do it in found footage, and it's that scene where they first see the dust, the sandmen, I guess they are, where you you know, basically the flashlight sort of shines on them and you get a glimpse and then they say run and you turn away and you don't get to see it. That was like the moment of this is the trick that found footage does. I thought. Yeah. That um, that actually yeah, that, that makes me think that that might have been the moment where they decide we should probably do this like found footage because <laughs> they saw the monster costume and they mm. thought if this is found footage, we don't have to look at it very much. Yeah, it's sort of a so, so this would help us out. Which I'm really I'm fully on board with. <laughs> I I I, oh, I I love them. I absolutely love them. It was when I think the moment when they were they were pushing through the door near the beginning. Mm-hmm. And you could see the text was, oh, it's someone in a blobby monster, rubber monster suit. <laughs> it was just the like classic who heart. It's just, oh, I felt warm and fuzzy inside. It was it was beautiful. I love that they can do that now. And it's like, it's fine. You don't have to have amazingly good alien effect things. You can just have what they'd have in the 1970s. Yeah, I have a, just, a little arc in space feel to me a little bit. Just oh, a little. Oh, Arca's space. Oh, it's it's quality. That's quite a well-lit space station. That, that is that is true. I just meant the monsters were sort of like. Oh, I yeah. I, I well, I like to compare it to you know how how well lit is is the station mm. to see the because we've got just to, for getting some of my classic who cred here. Warriors of the Deep is sort of the classic. This is not how you light a base under siege story, right? Because everything is just blanket white lightning lighting up every single corner, whereas. It's really easy with the trout and stuff to say, oh, it was totally lit brilliantly because it's like it's all black and white. It all looks good and shadowy and yeah, cool. You can't see anything. And this, and this was definitely in the sort of, you know, oh, we had little bits of black and white as well. Yeah. That, that's always very appealing. That, that They should just do a whole episode like that, like they did for the X-Files, just for some very good, obviously high art reason. Sure. But yeah, that'd just be nice. So uh, I had one other thing I wanted to mention about footage before we stop talking about found footage, which we talked about Sorry, for a while I'm now. I'm very bad which, at staying which, on topic. One of the one of the things one of the things. No, no, it's fine. Um, I I usually step through the the uh, the plot of the episodes, but I, I'm not going to even try to do that here because I don't think there's a point uh, to to doing that. But but about footage, one of the things that always bothers me. I've got little things that bother me about about film and and tv every now and then uh including uh newspaper headlines that would never ever ever be written the way they are and placed where they are that's one but one of them is about footage when they show footage a character in a show shows footage of a previous episode of a show as an example of yes. what happened right and doctor who does this but every a show lot. does this it and it's does- like and it's like, did you have a director, and was it well lit, and where was that camera, and how did you get that footage, and all of that? And that, that, this made me laugh because this episode is sort of the answer to that, which is, well, you know, there's dust, murderous dust oh monster my goodness, cameras everywhere. That is, oh wow! Okay, I like that. I like that a lot because 
yeah, no, that is that is a bit of a problem. We just had that this season as well mm-hmm. with, with Davros when it's like, I know, you know, I know what episode that is. I've seen Genesis of the Daleks a worrying number of times. Um, and yeah, but if you just be like, oh, well, that's Daleks are normally in the far future. If we're saying that, then they've obviously picked up on this whole dust recording mm. thing, haven't they? So yeah, and that's the best angle, which Every- just so happens to be the BBC one. Sure. Everything <laughs> now is, is everything in the universe can be uh, recorded. <laughs> Yeah. If you need it. Yeah, relying on the dodgy, the bizarre signs of of dust. <laughs> okay, so the the Sandman. This 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 feels like a very Stephen Moffat era monster in that it is what's a thing that's common that we can make people afraid of? And in this case it's the it's the sand, it's the sleep in your eyes when you wake up in the morning. That is now a thing that everybody will be afraid of apparently in uh in in I- the UK tomorrow morning. <laughs> um Yes, that's that's certainly one interpretation. Um, I I would go with a slightly less good one in that this feels like someone trying to imitate Stephen uh, Moffat. <laughs> someone who's underwritten Stephen Moffat here, and this cares for Matt Greatest, mm-hmm. um, who is it's yeah, it is a very Moffat idea, and I I you know maybe I mean we don't know how much Moffat had input in the script or rewrit, but based on previous outings this did not feel like the kind of moffat scare things i mean at the end at the end of blink i was actually screaming and terrified it was it was embarrassing um and the you know fashionada are pretty creepy things and mm-hmm. it at least got a chill here but here it's um i think it's because it's just it's so confused and this idea of the sleep thing is just one of the i'm not even necessarily condemning the episode for throwing quite a lot of science fiction ideas into the mix i i you know i really applaud the ambition of it and i absolutely love that yet again this season we've gone into a new bit of the season and it's trying something completely different um which is why even though i don't much enjoy found footage i really enjoy the fact that they've decided actually we're going to do that because we've never done it before and it's a new thing um, but, but the sleep thing, they were just, it's, it's just, it's because they didn't concentrate on that single idea mm. and develop it in a clear, logical way that could terrify you because you could clearly follow it and sort of, uh, and sort of see what the rules are and why it's so terrifying. I mean, the beauty of the Weeping Angels is because it's so simple. There's a lovely, something to do with quantum physics explanation for mm-hmm. it sure but the idea is if you blink it's going to move forward and get you this is there's a electronic doodad that if you fall asleep sleep falls out and yet you might come back the sleep monster but if you might... don't sleep you the sleep still builds up and it turns into a monster but where does how does it go is it are you walking around with big chunks of sleep in your eyes and they're falling off and turning into monsters yeah uh, i was unclear the... on the mechanism entirely yeah, and then it did really didn't help to throw out the some sort of the kind of bit of red herring about the spores, but they're not really spores. They're actually this thing that I said at the beginning of it, which is like, that's great for you, Mr. Villain, but you know, we're having to watch the movie you're making and this is not like a nice clear thing. It's uh yeah. No, it's it feels it feels feels too confused so i, I feel bad saying that i can't decide i well i i think i've decided that i really enjoy this episode but th- there are th- some things brilliant things that i have problems with and this is this is a big one and i can't decide whether this is mark gatiss saying you know there's a logical i don't know whether he's trying to to um 
uh, go against our expectations because there's so many things in this episode that I feel like are going against our expectations. And we'll get to some more of those later. I mean, there are so many of those. So I don't know whether he just figures everybody knows that if you don't sleep, you go crazy. And the idea that if you don't sleep, you could turn into a monster. And there are so many TV shows and movies with zombies in them that it's so obvious that the plot of this is going to be this new thing keeps you awake, but it turns you into a monster eventually that I'm not going to do that. Instead, at the moment when I could reveal that these are mon- these are uh, zombies because they haven't slept, mm-hmm. I'm going to instead pivot and do a kind of ridiculous Doctor Who explanation and say that it's actually um, animated uh, from the sleep dust in your eyes that have fallen out. Um, and I don't know, maybe that was his intent. Um, but I came to, literally, I took notes while I was watching, and I oh, have here one line that just you. says, wait. <laughs> <laughs> because that was a moment I was like, what did you just say? Y- the explanation for this monster is going to be that the sleep falls out of the people who don't yeah. sleep eyes and turns into a monster, and then the sleep, the animated dust, then eats people i did i did like this kind of the animated dust eating people i think that's a great idea but yeah it just it didn't it didn't flow it was badly edged which we could put down to the villain maybe maybe he was just not very good at making Mm. movies i know this this is sort of i'm glad (laughs) i'm glad you enjoyed it and i i did enjoy it it this was no like Curse of Black Pearl kind of levels or anything mm. like that. I still think it's hitting pretty high in the Who seasons, and this is this is my this is definitely this is my favorite of the new Who seasons so far. And we're only we're not even finished it yet. Right. And I thought last year was absolutely brilliant, um, but this is still and there's so much, there's so many bits of it I really enjoy, but it's just yeah it's just too whatever that that kind of bit where you go wait that's just kind of like this big knot that doesn't quite unravel neatly and it doesn't it doesn't even oh it doesn't even need to necessarily unravel neatly if it would just i don't know maybe maybe up to my kind of caring about the the secondary characters maybe a little more right. or or something else had just been so good that it could overcome that but it wasn't so it was still i still think it was good and i'm still glad they made it but it just wasn't it wasn't like the magic that it's been for most of this year i'm going on i think i'm giving it a lot of credit for the style of it because i did enjoy the style and i didn't enjoy the format change i do love it when uh, a show uh goes through that format change but i think the problem with um if we can assume that mark gatiss is trying to subvert our expectations uh, in several places in this episode because he's just that clever i think the problem is when the subversion of our expectations is not a payoff but instead a disappointment and in this case that's exactly what it was for me is i i was really getting excited about like are these the crew are they animated can they be saved don't don't say things like that that's like you're making it like it could have been oh no that was wonderful that's that I'd have loved that. that but in, instead, it's but, yeah. kind of a dodgy monster suit that they say is made up of dust <laughs> that is not from from unclear. Anyway, um, I, I and for me, I kind of went with it because I like I like how how dark it is, and I like the music, and I like that they run around, and I like that that Peter Capaldi is. Um, is figuring things out and you get to watch him figure things out. <laughs> yes, I do shallowly enjoy that. And I did all enjoy every moment of Pierre Capaldi speaking straight to camera. That is something that they can do do more of mm-hmm. that. That's great. I loved it. And in the in the payoff things, the final payoff with was it Reese Shearsmith straight at camera delivering that and him starting to disintegrate. 
that that was that almost made it worth it because I thought that was it was um, yeah I, ju- I just think that final last it didn't make sense exactly what it was doing but it's it up uh, with the with the story that he was creating you know he probably edited out the bits that helped make it sense uh-huh. um, but that th- just those final like forty five seconds a minute there that that was a really nice ending and and also the just the clicking out to nothingness like it was life on Mars and going with that and not anything comforting. It was, that was pretty good. Well, it's, it's, I mean, this is the other thing I wanted to, I wanted to mention about subverting expectations is the doctor gets it wrong and the bad guy wins (laughs) at the end of this episode. And (laughs) and it turns out that what we've been watching all along, and I know other, I've seen other things that do this. This is an unreliable narrator kind of thing, but it turns out the thing that we've been watching all along is the document that is the actual plan to take over the, and destroy the human race, not what's happening on the station. What's happening on the station is kind of a diversion to give him the time to create this narrative in order to send it out there. And I think that, I think that's very clever. And I did enjoy that when it got to the end. And I thought, I thought that, and, and honestly, I think he's even working at another level, which is we've been watching these two-part episodes all this season. And so yes. I have in the back of my mind, how are they going to carry this into a second part? Or how is this going to link? And I had a lot of theories about that. And in the end, nope, this is the end. <laughs> that was that was very neat. It, was, it wasn't until quite a way through that I suddenly remembered, oh yeah, it has been that they managed to set it up so that you were expecting the next part. But this is how, that was... And that, that, that's like a big season expectation thing that they actually do something quite good with there. It's, um, I just, I'm going to choose to believe that the human race in the 30 watts century doesn't actually get all eaten by dust monsters and that either they're going to, I would love it if they came back to this, mm. this sort of, um, the society they set up there. I thought the world building was superb. Um, or that, you know, obviously Patch Troughton turns up five minutes later and solves everything perfectly. And Neptune. Neptune. It's fun to see <gasps> Neptune. People don't use Neptune enough. I love that they took the time to do a space shot of Neptune and mm-hmm. we got to look at it from above. That was beautiful. Right. Although um, orbits don't work that way. I just wanted orbits. to say. Shh, quiet you. <laughs> you don't have of little gravity plates that, exactly. without which you plunge into a planet. <laughs> that's not how that works. That's, that's how it works in the future. You just don't understand the future. Yeah, it's this is very... like a hovering space platform that is very. Uh, you're, you're assuming that we're still using our normal everyday gravity of the 21st right. century. That's true. 38th century physics is very different. The laws that of physics is... were changed in the 30th century <laughs> during that... the Great Catastrophe. Yes, physics changed a little bit. Well, so Clara, uh, one of the one of the things that happens here is Clara gets gets sucked in sort of strangely, and we don't really see it because I think they maybe couldn't afford that um, into the po- <laughs> into the pod, and then they get her back out, and he says, "Well, you've been you've been uh, you got this thing, and you've been changed, and that's very clearly a plot thread that that basically goes nowhere." Um, yeah, no, no, it's. I don't think that is. I think, I think it's another one of the because every story we've had something we can point to and go, aha, the hybrid. Oh, and maybe that's maybe that's maybe, the hit maybe for that's this it. for this but- story because if I'm correct, this is this is my brilliant theory. The only story so far that we haven't had a aha the hybrid moment <laughs> type thing in is the um, before the flood and beneath the lake one. Mm. So therefore, by my logic of how I think telly works. That's the one with the hybrids in it. So therefore... 
someone I, in there is the hybrid. I, I had a I my theory when I was thinking that they were going to continue this into a linked second episode, a little bit mm. more, a little bit more like um, the girl who died and the woman who lived, where yeah. we would go see a part two that was very different, but had something to do with what they just experienced. When they rush for the TARDIS at the end, and Clara says, "I've never been," and we see that perspective of her like coming to the TARDIS. I've never been happier to see the TARDIS, and they're running. I thought, oh, this is the scheme is actually that they're the carriers and they're going to go into the TARDIS and spread this. And that's Ooh. the that's been the whole point of it. But again, no, <laughs> I guess not. Because I, I had this whole thing that Clara was in there. That meant she was infected. That means she was going to take this thing and spread it around somewhere. But that, again, I think I, I guess I'll just chalk that up to being a, a red herring in a in a in a on a horror in a horror movie that's that was my that was mark gatiss having seen more doctor who episodes than i have um oh, planting, planting some seeds in, in god my bless mind. him he's seen a lot it's very there are elements of this that it feels uh, often my problem with mark gatiss episodes is what he's trying to do is write a sort of episode a story that's entirely unsuitable for the century that we live in mm. um and when he kind of i don't know what the magic thing is but he's been he for me his episodes have got much better this from from the crimson horror i've i've enjoyed his episodes properly i mean this i still enjoyed i mean i'm quite critical about the that the the main plot line Mm. but many other things i thought were superb um but uh I had a point here, and I've completely forgotten what it is. Yeah, um, and in the sort of in the novels that he wrote in the oldie days of the nineties in the wilderness years, it always was a very sort of old school Pertwee style story. And this sort of feels like a Pertwee, the few Pertwee stories that took place in space or the future, oh. in in a lot of ways. And you've you've got. And I think maybe it's because it's, this doctor feels maybe a little bit more old fashioned that, that it works better. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. It was a good point, though. I like Crim- I like Crimson Horror too. That 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 that's maybe my favorite of his. I I like The Unquiet Dead, although I, it took me a couple viewings to warm up <gasps> oh, to yeah. it. I, I often forget it. It was pretty decent. It's the it's the stuff in between that I'm less keen yeah, on. Yeah, I I agree with you. There, there's not. I'm looking at the list now and being um, surprised at how I don't like. <laughs> I don't like most of those episodes, or at least I like I only like parts of them and not other parts of them. Like Victory mm. of the Daleks, where I think it's brilliant, <laughs> twenty minutes and then don't I'm, even. I'm painfully forgiving of Victory of the Daleks. Mm. I think because I was completely in love with um, that Smith and Amy Pond at I, that point. I just so. want I, I wanted uh, Victory of the Daleks to to just be the Daleks serving tea for a full forty five minutes. I thought that would oh, be brilliant. That's. That's really sweet. Then the victory is that the tea is poison, maybe. I don't know what the victory would be then, but yeah. I just I, it's all like serving tea. It makes me happy. Most of the good points of that are sort of because Gators often calls back to, to previous episodes, and that's in many ways a sort of not very good thematic sequel to, to Power of the Daleks, which is Patrick Sheffin's first story where the Daleks were in a similar position of, uh, we are your servants. They weren't serving tea, alas, but mm. they were helping out. Right. Until they massacred absolutely everyone in a terrifying attack on the colony, it was. It's, it's. I'm sure it looked a bit dodgy on screen, but radio, which is it's, it's a recon, they lost it. Right. Um. It, it's. It sounds absolutely terrifying and t- very creepy. My, my son all... still says, "Would you like some tea?" Every now and then, <laughs> in a Dalek voice. It's, it's probably the best Dalek the action Dalek. figure they got. Um. I, we should mention, speaking of old references, <laughs> that here. Um. 
in a uh, Clara does something. She's like Cisco on the Flash. She decides that she's going to name the the monsters this week, mm. and she says the Sandman will get us. And the Doctor pulls up short and says, "No, no, no, you don't get to name things. <laughs> it's like the Silurians all over again." <laughs> that cracks me up. Something rotten. <laughs> These are the fans pointing out because this is this is just like in the Unit episode where they said it was just just the other week where they again said it was back in the seventies and eighties. Or eighties. Or eighties. Oh, it's, it's so good. It's so good. Do- mm. Yeah. No, I can't. I can't remember who actually names the Silurians the Silurians in Doctor Who and the Silurians, um, but he does have a bit of a bitch about it later on in the Sea Devils because he's actually well, actually they should be called. I think it's Devonians because that's that's the period right. he claims because they got involved. the error wrong. But actually, both of those errors are wrong for some <laughs> reason, according to some book. I read. Oh. I haven't really checked any of this out, but hilariously, um, the Sea Devils, who are like the Silurian cousins but live in the sea, um, the, first, the only person to call them a Sea Devil is uh, this like terrified sailor that they attack, who's like, ah, there were Sea Devils! And um, and then that's the name they take for their race later oh. on. Well, they, 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 it's the human <laughs> translation. They're like, well, we, we are called the... <laughs> Or, as you call us, <laughs> sea devils. <laughs> oh, I bet they're so thrilled about that when one of them got hold of a dictionary. Yeah, wait a second. I thought that you, we call our, our word is the people. <laughs> we just call ourselves the people. You call us devils? <laughs> the negotiations were, with the sea devils were going very well until they found a dictionary. And we have to start again. Um <laughs> Sorry. I had a couple of other just random notes I wanted to mention. That's one is, sad. so it's the 38th century, and the, the doctor mentions in one of these moments that might be setting something up or might be entirely just laying something on the ground for a future Doctor Who writer to pick up, which is, unless this is a, an old reference, but I don't think it is, that it's like after the Great Catastrophe, um, a lot of strange things happened, and Indian, India and Japan sort of merged together. Yeah. and gravity changed, continents merged. That was why... Um, I yeah, I really love that here we got we're in a future that is non-white and they actually have actors that are not white playing the parts yeah. in their future they've decided is multicultural, which properly so they've got Indian and and a Japanese um I th- the ones I think they're British but of of that descent playing those and I, oh gosh I loved um is it Nagata mm-hmm. I loved her in her Northern ways. <laughs> that she was just from, I don't know, was she from Newcastle or Liverpool? I'm the north of England, all sort of, I'm not very good at thingy. But it was just like, oh my God, going around calling everyone pet. It was so, <laughs> just, uh, that was lovely. I like they, they have their um their over or or Roger or whatever is, may the gods look favorably upon you. They yeah. just say that over and over again. That's their official thing that they say every time. Uh, it's like a little they give yeah, a little there's, blessing there's, when they give the radio there was some nice that when they were in the meat meatery bit as well just having the signs be in Japanese that we're getting oh it's just it feels it's just seeing sort of you see you see the good faith efforts from from previous some previous Doctor Who stories like in the 80s or 70s of them trying to have a future where they acknowledge that you know things had changed society was different but them not really getting very far and for them to actually have all the um, crew here. It's just, oh, it's so lovely. And it also feels like it's sort of building on something that we saw before in in, um, Dinosaurs on a Spaceship when we had the Indian Space Agency Mm. defending the Earth and like 
saying, right, well, if you don't do this, we're going to shut it down. We've got to defend the planet. And it's like building on that. And now India's got this in the future. You know, it's, it's, it's a sensible enough extrapolation. The population yeah. is growing. Yeah, India and, and Japan got, have, have, have their, you get the sense that they have all of, uh, of Triton the moon of, yeah. of Neptune, and, and that they've got the space station. They've got this major space presence, mm. and it's not just something that's given lip service. We actually see an adventure in these places, and it's just, this is great. That's that's well done, Dr. Who, for, you know, not, you know, saying that the culture is Chinese in the far future and then never having any Chinese people right. in your show. Not that I'm thinking of anything in particular mm. here at all. I would never do that. Uh, I love Firefly. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, or, but one or, of the- or turn left. But uh, anyway, <laughs> mm, mm. I'm not like <laughs> that's mm, yes. Uh, uh, but I have to say, not all is bright in the grim dystopia of the 38th century, because unfortunately, even with the great catastrophe and the fact that 1800 years have passed, yes. Mr. Sandman is still remembered. <laughs> Apparently so. Yes, and apparently still see terms and conditions apply at the end of things. Yeah, which I forgive because I laughed. That so was that okay. was a that was a funny bit. But Mr. Sandman, really, I was hoping that that would be lost in the Great Catastrophe and we wouldn't <laughs> but, have to hear it again. But it did let us have the computer who wanted the funny thing. That so was that was funny. That the computer said, "Well, after the Christmas party, um, they they had us or whatever whatever party it was. Was it a Christmas party? I don't know. The staff party that they pro- reprogrammed me." Because it's yeah. a, an intelligent door, like the like the doors <laughs> on the Heart of Gold. I think. Yes. Uh, it was an intelligent door, and it and it was having a good time. And it says, "You have to sing the song, or I won't let you sing, in." Sing it, like, just a bit more. I'll sing it very badly and very quietly because I'm about to be killed by a monster. Will you let me in now? No, I would like you to sing a little more. How about now? Okay, fine. <laughs> I did love that computer a little bit. It'd be, I would be very happy to have that computer come back. And the computer lets him through the door, and of course, there's a monster on the other side of the door too. It turns out, and he dies. So oh, it's just just chiffer computers. I'm very in favor of chiffer computers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and my only other note is the uh, the mad scientist Rasmussen. Yes. Um, the outfit he's wearing is that not basically Sheridan's Babylon Five uniform for the last two or three years of Babylon Five? Now, not to spoil Ooh. anything, it reminded me a lot of a Babylon Five uniform. The later the later years, oh, Babylon wait, the, Five. The, the, the coloring did look like the Babylon He's Five got that, sort of future well, it's colors. Got the, yeah, it's got that. Well, because it's got the kind of collar, and it's got this the like things are emerging kind of up by the shoulders, and I don't know. I'm just saying, it reminded me. I think maybe they had a, a you know a Babylon Five uniform laying around that they could use for. for yeah, I mean that, that I'm sure they'd be very yeah. happy to save money from another show that's desperate to save money. It's a good. It's a good thing. My other thing, I did. There was a, there was a little Troughton callback thing when the Doctor was was when I see Ron run. Mm-hmm. That was a Troughton line that happened. So I was very joyful at that. These I know. little things been happening. I know he's your favorite, and it, he is my favorite. I, I do love him. Although, I, oh, it's I like oh, every Capaldi's. episode of his I've seen, but there, I think I've only seen two stories of oh, he's so good. He's of the so good. of the what eight that exist. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> we found two more. Uh, yeah, I'm t- sorry. <laughs> Ten that exists. You can yeah. you can listen to them on radio. He's pretty great. He is pretty it's great. Too, he is. He's magic. Although Capaldi is, I'll be fine in a few years. Like when Capaldi's left and it's sort of calmed down, then I'll stop worrying about Capaldi usurping because that's just terrible. But um, I did I did love the yeah. This was another one of the ideas they just sort of threw in there, but it never really went anywhere. But I did appreciate it. Was the the whole oh we want you to be happy and working all the time and work 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 work. Isn't that great, you lovely terror? That just kind of condemnation of that sort of uh, 
attitude that um, prosperity means mm-hmm. productivity, that, that constantly was a, expanding. It was a nice bit of satire. As somebody who um, who lives in very close to the places in Silicon Valley where they, you know, bring in uh, they chefs, would use Morpheus. And chefs and masseuses and things like that so that you never go home oh and you just work gosh. and work and work. And you expect the way that the, 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 the um, Morpheus machines are, are extolled to the, to the people in that sales pitch, because it is, there's a, there's a hologram sales pitch, is mm. um, we, essentially this is going to be great because you get a third of your life back to work more <laughs> to to get ahead of the other guy the other guy's going to do it too nobody's going to get ahead here oh. this distressed me a little bit well no it doesn't distress i like the world as i said the world building super and i would love to go back to that setting at some point and find out what's happened on neptune and have neptunian adventures because mm. that that's not a planet we've been to a lot no, you yeah. go to the moon Triton and and have an adventure with the the India J- Japan uh, government or whatever is 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 running it, and I think that would be, I think that would be interesting. I, you know, I keep coming back to the fact that I think Mark Gatiss is a smart enough writer that he, that a lot of the things that I have problems with are probably intentional, um, and mm. I just have problems with it because I don't appreciate the output of his intentions here because I feel like in the end what we get here is that the doctor keeps trying to figure it out but at the same time he keeps saying this doesn't make sense I don't understand how it could be this way and in fact I believe the doctor's last line in the episode is none of this makes any sense and I, I, I feel that's kind of uh, kind of knowing uh, but and and clever and yet pretty problematic because when I think of the plot and what the doctor's trying to do and what's trying to happen in the episode I kind of agree that it really doesn't make any sense and, and having some something be nonsensical and then lead to a surprise ending isn't really as enjoyable as having something that when you look back, it all falls into place and makes sense. Yeah. I mean, just market is not Lewis Carroll. Lewis Carroll can do <laughs> nonsensical nonsense and it's beautiful. And I think this, this, the saying it's uh it's, it doesn't make any sense is it's a sort of get out a free card for the bits that don't make sense. I think you can play once, so it's fine. So I don't really mind it in and of itself here, and you're being meta about it. But it really, it just, you know, I didn't, there were characters dying and I didn't care. And yeah. that's, that is a problem that I tend to have with Gator scripts. Oh, for whatever even, reason. We didn't even mention the grunt, who actually was the one character who I who died, who I actually kind of cared about. They introduced this idea that they have these cloned soldiers. And yeah, four seven four another decent science fiction idea, mm-hmm. which was which. Oh, see, reminding me of it just makes me more go arg about <laughs> it because they throw these ideas, and again, again, another great idea that they doesn't really isn't given any space or room to develop. And I don't, I don't mind that in and of itself, but it's because there were so many of these great ideas that didn't have seem to be given the room to develop, and the one that they sort of developed just. Did so in such a not satisfying to me manner that I get frustrated about it. Yeah. But yeah, no, I think again that that's another reason I'd love to come back to this this setting to have a story here because obviously that's you know raising these are classic science fiction questions that are, it, it's it's asking there and uh, and all we get is the poor heroic grunt sacrificing and it's just oh this is this is bad also did sacrifice in one of the moments where the monsters did look really quite good when they're sort of lit up with flames. Right. 
Right. They, that was that was a a nice moment. Although I will point out that mm. the the structural integrity in a space station or spaceship, <laughs> it always is a beam that falls from the ceiling. We've we learned this in in we mentioned this on the incomparable the other week when we watched the the, the Frankenstein meets the space monster. It's in Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan. It's just that's it always comes from that flaming beam just, from the ceiling drops down and blocks your path. Yeah, you just remind me of it's in Babylon Five. There's a really there's a classic um, outtake from a first season episode Mind War with the first one Bester's in uh, where there's a big finale bit and Beam drops down and then one of, I think it's um, Sinclair steps back and his foot goes straight through the polystyrene beam. You gotta well. That's that's the only thing that saves anybody is that the beams are actually not that heavy. Well, that's okay then. I mean, so long as everyone ever gets stuck under a beam dramatically. Yeah. Well, those and are they the have heavy to choose ones. Choose whether to you know save their friend. At least that didn't happen here. That was so no. sad. I was I was waiting for someone to get stuck under something, but it yeah. But and I no like, one gets stuck I did in like, one of the doors. I did like that sacrifice. Also, I mean, again, there are things where, where the doctor says, we never saw any, any video from Chopra because he refuses to have the Morpheus thing. But then later we see the video from him um, because that was a that was a not he was he was wrong. <laughs> That's not where the video is coming from. Um, it yeah, has nothing to do that... with the Morpheus machines at all. And, and, and I had that moment of like, why did you put that in? Because uh, it's never really it's never really a twist. It's never sort of I mean. It's just sort of laying there, but why do we have that whole scene where he figures something out if it turns out to not be that at all? It, it was like an episode of House a little bit where, you know, yeah. every episode of House, they spend 40 minutes getting where oh, all yeah. their theories no, are wrong. I love that about House. It's like you could look at the clock and tell them how many more times they're going to discover a yeah. doesn't work. Yeah, well, the doctor's <laughs> playing uh, Dr. House here where he's where yeah. he says, well, no, it's, we're not far enough in, in, in the episode for, for my guest to be right. I so. did. I did. I did yell at the television at that point where it was like about the oh there aren't any cameras or CCTV anywhere. It's like it's thirty eighth century doctor. I think they might have miniaturized them a bit yeah. more. You know where where why aren't they just tiny microscopic cameras everywhere? Yeah. Why and why don't you have helmet cams? You're a rescue. Yeah. Why would why would you not? Yeah. I do. I, I yeah. I agree. That's unrealistic that there wouldn't be cameras everywhere. <laughs> Maybe there are very strict. Uh, in India, Japan society, they don't have a problem gl- growing clone soldiers, but they do have a, a privacy uh, statute. That'd be there. sort of reassuring, given that they clearly have not got enough workers' rights legislation mm. up there. Right. But you have to, st- yeah. you can never go home because you never go to sleep. So. You can never go home, but at and least you have to listen to Mister Sandman <laughs> over and over again. What a terrible place! I never want to go back there. I take it back. It is nice that they hated it as much as, you know, mm. I feel they thought the viewer did. Yeah. Who was me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, in the end, um, I think this is exactly where I where I started with this, which is I enjoyed the ride and I liked the look and the, and the fun of it. And when I started to think about specific things in the story, I thought, no, I don't buy that. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I think that's fair. There was there was a lot about it that I loved and I am so happy they've just they decided just to do it that they, this is something the Doctor Who's never done before and they decide to go with it yeah. even if it's you know one might argue found footage so space hats off to them yes space oh that was one thing I completely <laughs> forgot about that nice reminder there well done oh my goodness I was furious how dare the Doctor tell such atrocious lying 
lies about the word space. Space is put in front of any word, makes it more awesome, mm-hmm. and people do do those things. Well, I have totally seen them in other science fiction programs and in Doctor Who, which I can't think of any examples off the top of my head, but I'm sure that I can find out. Well, I think he's being he's being awful there because Clara, Clara then immediately gets to show him that when somebody mentioned space pirates, she's like, ah! Oh, right. I forgot that. Right? So it turns around that, on him. I, I, he's wrong. I may, I may have forgotten because I was too busy typing on Twitter my outrage, mm. which I obviously had to immediately share with the internet. She asked about than, a space suit and he just says pedant. Yeah. You know? and, and also... <laughs> There, there is a Doctor Who story called Space Pirates. Yeah, there is. It's true. No. Yeah, it's not very good. It's Don't true. watch that one. Don't watch the surviving no. episodes. Keep your keep your space hats on uh, in your space, space restaurant. Hats, where you have your space food with your space fork and, and you your pay space with, knife. You pay with space dollars. No, you don't. You, you do. There's only one currency in space and it's space dollars. <laughs> oh, Americans. <laughs> Uh, d- don't look at me. I don't. I don't have any space dollars. That's just yeah. uh, my understanding is that that's the currency that's used in space. Space dollars. Maybe it's credits. D- universal credits. Space credits. That's slightly better. Okay. You can. You may have your space credits. Well, this is the part at the end of the podcast where where it's revealed that we've infected everybody listening by uh, listening to us. They've doomed the human race. That oops. <laughs> um, <laughs> Something I like feel that. really bad about that. Yeah, sorry. We're, yeah, we're not the villains here. <laughs> Are we? We're immune, though, right? Yeah, sure. We're not oh going to turn goodness. into dust monsters now. This is the worst. Yeah. You mean when I... Right, well, fine, fine. If I wake up in the morning and I find out that I'm a dust monster, I'm going to be really mad yeah. at you. Mm-hmm. You should and be. I will, I will express that outrage online. On the dust worst Twitter. Form. Space Twitter. On Space Dust Twitter. Okay. Which will be its new catchier name. It will, well, if you are a dust monster in the morning, then I will take the blame. Yeah. That's my guarantee to you. Yeah, well, remembering that. So so now revealed at the end credits, Liz Miles, thank you for being here. Um, people can find you on the Verity podcast, uh, which is they excellent. Can. And you're also on uh, the the Blake 7 podcast down in Down and Safe. That, down that and Safe. I've never yes. seen Blake 7. <gasps> Well, no, I shouldn't go because that just means you get to watch it. Uh-huh. Neither, neither, neither has one of our podcasters. I she was watching it for the very first time. It's very it, exciting. It's an it's an enjoyable thing to watch. That's one of the things I love about the Babylon Five audio guide is that uh, they periodically, you know, Erica reports in about how Stephen <gasps> yeah. is finding the show as a as a first time viewer. That I I, I love that. Enjoy, that. that I, I enjoy that a lot. <laughs> so. It just remains time for me to say thank you, Liz Miles, for being here. I really appreciate thank it. This was a lot of fun. Thank you very much for having me. And uh, definitely listen to Verity when Liz is on. And you can listen when she's not on, too. But it's just Th- those uh, are the episodes that I listen to. That's they're, all, true. They're, they're quite good. They are good. To be fair. They are good. I just don't have my little moments where I cheer at things you say. Oh, right. It was a cheer. Sorry, I thought that you were like thumping things and hanging No, no. I don't, no. I <laughs> I enjoy it when you uh when you say things on on Verity. So, anyway, thanks to everybody out there for listening. We'll be back next week. Our episode uh next week is not by Mark Gatiss, but and apparently not linked, but it does see uh Riggsy Riggsy from Flatline last year comes back. Uh, So I'm looking forward to that. So I'll be back with another guest next week. Thank you for listening to the Doctor Who Flashcast. 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 Flashcast.
Doctor Who flashcast on the incomparable.